You may remember, or may not, the last um, series, all I can remember was Chase in the back of the room going thumbs down when I was like, we're doing Leviticus. And he was like, thumbs down. But it was kind of an interesting series, right? Like, he to stick around. He went to Kidmax. But, <laughs> but for us that were in the big room and we got to hear the sermon on Leviticus, yeah, well, for real happens, yes. <laughs> that th- there was really cool stuff within the book of Leviticus, this old text that's telling the Israelites what it means to be a group of people to live well together and to love God well individually and together and how to set up, a, you know, people who are going to help them with their religion and how they're going to live together in society. And God is giving them these rules and these ideas in the book of Leviticus. Um, I even know from some people in this room, it was just like, oh, I didn't realize it would be applicable to my life because there are threads that continue to go through out scripture. And the last Leviticus one was before Easter. And it was looking at this idea of atonement, which Zach's going to pull apart a bit more for us. Um, and that in the Old Testament, atonement for your sin or for something that separated you from God or had somehow separated you in relationship from another person often involved an animal being slaughtered. <laughs> weird, right? Um, for our context, that sounds weird for us. There's still cultures today that would do sacrifices like that. But here in the GTA, living in the middle of the city, that's not what we're doing. We're not bringing um, birds and cattle into our places of worship um, to have that happen. Um, and throughout the biblical story, we hear that. I'm not gonna, I don't think I'm stealing anything from you, Zach. Okay, hopefully. <laughs> we hear that God is continually showing his people, which start as the Israelites, but then expand to all of humanity to say, here's how I want to be in relationship with you. And he's changing over time, kind of the way that happens. There's different arguments, theological reasons as to why that may have happened. Um, it could have been that God was accommodating as people changed. It could have been that God's plan all along was that he wanted relationship, but that humans weren't quite ready yet for that type of have you in my heart kind of relationship. Doing a bunch of rituals was maybe easier. I think last week I used the line um, that while the ceremonies and the rituals and the songs are all beautiful, the real point of all the rituals and things are to point us to the real thing and the real thing being the divine goodness and relationship with God. So we do all those things, not because they are the thing, but they point us to the thing who is God. And our friend Zach today is going to take a look uh, at some New Testament examples and what this means for us. So across the meeting house uh, this month, for the rest of the month, it's either hearing something from the main production site or someone speaking locally on the same topic. So this week is Zach, and next week Kyle will be sharing with us, and we're looking at, so Sacrificial Savior is the name of the series, so why sacrifice? And this week, I'm going to stop spoiling Zach's spiel, but come on up, my friend, and we'll pray for you. And he is so fun, and he made us little booklets so that we don't have to flip around the Bible. We just get to have our own uh, condensed version of what he's, he's doing in here. So God's let, let, guys, let's pray for Zach, and then he'll take over. Thanks, God, for the fact that you speak through all of us, that uh, we are a community of believers, and you call and say, like, we can be a priesthood of believers to one another. And so I believe firmly that that means anyone in this room could look at Scripture and tell us something about who you are. So thank you for someone like Zach who wants to spend a bit of extra time digging into scripture and saying like, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to my friends? 
And so would you help him say those things uh, with peace and confidence and joy? And thank you for the work that he's put into this this week and let his words be transformed from his mouth by your spirit to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. I, I, yeah, it might help me out, actually. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, so uh, Lisa is very helpfully passing out uh, these little pamphlets that I begged her to make. Um, no, it was actually quite easy to get her to do it. No, um, so you'll find on the back there's a drawing of a well, and I'm standing behind it, and, uh, and I'm looking down at it. And uh, the whole purpose of the well is because lately, especially in Leviticus, um, I noticed that the practices are symbolic of what our faith looks like with Jesus. And we're going to get into that a little bit this morning. But I thought to myself, oh, wait a second. Yes, the Bible is split up into 60, 66 books, but... Um, it all has the same message. It all has the same heart. And so I thought, okay, maybe we can imagine we're going to a well and we're taking our bucket and we're lowering it down and we're picking some water out of it. And that water is going to taste the exact same as the last straw, right? So no matter where we are, no matter if it's in all the way back in Leviticus or Exodus or it's in Revelation, it's all the same message. It's all God's heart speaking to us, right? So, uh, let me get on my phone so that I can see what the heck I'm going to talk about here. Yeah, so uh, as, as uh, Lisa pointed out, um, Kyle is going to be after me, so you're going to have to look a little bit higher. He's a pretty tall guy. So, Colossians, um, to, um, to kind of add on to what we were talking about earlier, uh, 15 through 20, um, it discusses um, uh, how awesome, how ancient Jesus is, right? The Son of God, the image of the invisible God who came before all things. But verses 21 through, 22, uh, through 23, they kind of expand on it a little bit, or they add on, uh, if you want to follow along with me. Uh, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard uh, that has been proclaimed for, to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So let's keep that in mind for a second. So... I don't know if you can see, but on my hat, there's a picture of Mickey Mouse in front of Disney World. So, I am a huge fan of Disney World. My parents met there. I was born and raised into it. And um, so, naturally, it is a part of my humanity, right? And Walt Disney, as a kid growing up, and as an animator, I'm an artist, he was kind of a, uh, he was like a hero to me because this guy had this impossible dream of creating a, a place, a kingdom, if you will, that was for the sole purpose of making everybody happy. Everybody. And uh, whether, whether it's parents, 
children, creed, you know, race, gender, whatever, it doesn't matter. Everybody came in through those doors and they had a great time. That was the dream. And, and I thought to myself, well, good golly, isn't that a great idea? And I think it worked, for the most part, anyway. I mean, I have a great time, some people don't. But I think, based on its success, it does a good job. Everybody has fun at Disney World, right? But here's the problem with Disney World. It only goes so far. Because when you leave those gates, when you go back out into the real world, it's the real world again. And then you have to realize that it's just, it's just escapism. It's not, it's not real. So looking at this verse in, in Colossians, it tells us that Jesus is not only our Savior, he's not only the one who brings us salvation, teaching, guidance, friendship, everything. He's also a king initiating a kingdom to which we are all a part of, each and every one of us. And we all have our roles to play in it. Bear with me. Let's go back to my notes. So, what was Jesus' sacrifice all about? Atonement, right? But what the heck is atonement? So, in um, the 16th century, English monks uh, came up with the word atonement for one of the earliest versions of the King James Bible. And atonement literally means at one reunion, wholeness, healing, if you will. And atonement, healing, at one is more than just ourselves. Jesus' sacrifice and healing, it, it helps us overcome sin, right? Because he bore it for us. If you remember from uh, the uh, Leviticus teachings, it talked about the scapegoat. So there are blood sacrifices, right? There are bread sacrifices for the priests. There's, um, and then you invite your community in and everybody eats around the altar. And that is, like, that is, in my opinion, what kingdom looks like, at least a very, very small version of it. But then there was also something called the scapegoat, which was a, um, it was a sacrificial offering that was done once a year where the priest would take, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but he would take all the sins of the entire community, put it onto a goat, and then release it into the wild. And that would atone for the entire community's sins, right? It was, it was like a festival celebration thing. But uh, I found it very interesting because, in a way, Jesus was the scapegoat for all of us, as well as the blood sacrifice. Anyway, so atonement is for more than just ourselves, right? But there are three takeaways that we can um, that we can look at, that we can apply to um, our lives going forward, whether it's the rest of the week, month, year, whatever. So, three things I want to look at with you guys: saltiness. Saltiness is good for a few things, right? It makes food delicious. And it's also used to preserve meat as well. 
And if you, uh, we're going to look um, in an earlier passage where we'll see how salt actually can heal. The second thing is we're <laughs> don't play the blame game. That's what I wrote in my notes. Don't play the blame game. Lay your faults on Christ's shoulders. Find freedom from sin. And with said freedom, apply yourself to helping others in whatever way you can. Whether it's helping the poor and needy, serving the church, or small ways in daily life. And the third thing that I want us to look at is to be quick to listen and slow to anger. And in so doing, we listen to the needs of others. And sometimes it can be uncomfortable, but with the foundation we have in Jesus Christ and the atonement, we can have the strength to build up others. So the first thing I want to look at is Second Kings uh, 2.19, and this is talking about the healing of the water. And in this story, Elisha, who was the disciple of Elijah, the prophet, I believe the first prophet, he, um, he asked Elijah before he was taken up to heaven for a little piece of his spirit. And um, that combined with his faith, it allowed him to perform like small miracles that helped show uh, God's power and it also helped the world around him as well. So, uh, second, thing, uh, second Kings chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. The people of the city said to Elisha, Look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad, and the land is unproductive. Bring me a new bowl, he said, and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the spring and threw the salt into it, saying, This is what the Lord says. I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water has remained pure to this day, according to the word Elisha spoke. So, as I mentioned before, salt is a preserver and as well as a purifier. We defend those who cannot defend themselves, right? Or at least that's what we're called to. If you can think about it this way, standing in front of other people uh, who are victims as a way of preserving them, preserving their dignity, allowing them to, to speak for themselves when they have been hurt, these are ways of preserving them. And in so doing, we can heal relationships with them. And we speak hope to the hopeless with the message of Jesus Christ. His salvation is resurrection. And we spread joy wherever we can. Because, by the way, happy Easter to all our Greek friends out there. Um, it's really important to remember that, yes, we're all filthy sinners, but we're more than that. We're called by Christ. We are his creation. We're his image. We're more than our sins. We're more than our shame. And I think that that's what Christ tries to remind us as much as he possibly can. And we have joy in that. We have joy that we can be free in that. Christianity can sometimes be a bit too bleak and serious. And Jesus felt and made everything that's human and this includes joy. And we must cry with people and laugh with people. I wrote here, a world without salt ain't a world living in. 
flavor is important. Take, for example, when my wife Danny cooks, she doesn't use much salt, and I love salt in everything that I do, and everything that I eat, but she quickly remedies that with hot sauce, because we love hot sauce. So, if you want to look at it this way, salt can be a few things. It can be purifiers, it can be healers, but it can also add flavor, dimension to life, right? And there's salt in hot sauce. Don't worry about that. So, we also learn from Jesus' words alone. Matthew 5.13, he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. It's a pretty intense reminder, I know, but something that we always need to remember. Do not lose faith in your salvation and do not lose faith in what Christ can do. So, we're going to move on to Isaiah 58, 9 through 10. We're going to go back into that well. I'm going to pull out some more water. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in, in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the, like the noonday. So I want to go back to um, where he says, then you will call and the Lord will answer, and you will cry, and I will say, here am I. Whether or not this is directly connected with Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection, it does deliver on God's promise that he did in fact come, and by finding atonement through his blood, it unlocked hidden truths of how the kingdom is supposed to be, a real kingdom, a lasting kingdom, a kingdom that is beyond walls, and it penetrates our hearts. The faith that we have in our atonement results in what Jesus tells us to remember to ask, seek, and knock. And if you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry, and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. So I want to quickly reference James 1.19, where it says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I have this problem so many times but I think it definitely comes in handy, especially if we want to heal a broken world. There's a lot of people that are on the street that don't get heard very much. I remember a time a while back, I was living in Liberty Village, and uh, I went to Metro to get one of those four packs of sandwiches because uh, my favorite thing to do at the time was get those four packs of sandwiches and sit in front of the television and eat all of them in one sitting, and it was the best. So I went to Metro, got my sandwiches, and I was going to go back to my apartment and watch The Office for the fifth time. But I was accosted by a man sitting on a bench. And um, 
I believe he mentioned that he was in a halfway home or might have been in his shelter. It was a long time ago, but he just randomly started telling me his life story. And, um, and I, I listened, and um, but the whole time I'm like, I just want to eat my sandwiches. But um, after actually listening to what he had to say, I realized that maybe that was all he ever wanted, just to talk about his problems. There's literally, there's nothing I could do about it. <laughs> I'm just a guy with sandwiches, but um, I also have ears. I don't know. But, yeah, I don't know. Quit to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. In a broken world, a lot of people have a lot of problems with how things are done, especially in government. And the best thing that we can do is to be slow to respond and slow to become angry. Hmm. So, let's jump to Hebrews 9, 12 to 14. I'm going to get some more water from that well. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all, by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. And if you remember, Jesus himself on the cross said, it is finished. And he's not just talking about his life either. It is over. If you have not met Jesus yet, that's okay. There is time. Well, I don't know. But Jesus calls us to come to him to lay our problems on his shoulders on the cross and to rely on his salvation. And in doing so, we are freed from our sin, but we have to believe it. We have to believe in the gift of salvation. There is a story early on in the Bible, I didn't write it down, but a story early on in the Bible of Lot and his family who went to an evil town called Sodom and Gomorrah. And there is a point where Sodom and Gomorrah was so evil that God destroyed it. And, but he told Lot and his family, because they were good God-fearing people at the time of much evil, to leave and don't look back. Don't look at the destruction and embrace the salvation that I'm giving you. Faith. So, Lot and his family run away from Sodom and Gomorrah as it's being destroyed by fire. But Lot's wife turns around and sees it. And as I think about it, she rejects the call of faith, of salvation. And as a result, she turns into a pillar of salt, immovable and useless. Hmm. But it's still salt, though, right? 
let me ask you something. If somebody came by and tried chipping off this salt, could it still be used? I don't know, just a question, but... Even if that's possible, it does show us two things. It shows us that we need to embrace salvation. We need to embrace that gift and believe in it truly. And if we are going to be salt, we need to keep moving because a pillar does not move. It does not go anywhere, and it is useless if it's stationary. And God can use us no matter what. Even despite our faults, God can still use us. Moving on to Micah, <laughs> back in the well. Micah 6, 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So this is our call. All of these things are brief reminders and small glimpses into the act of love Jesus committed for us and what it was all for. It's so easy for us to focus on the personal side of salvation, yeah? And that's okay. It's important for us to do so as being mentally and spiritually connected with the gift of salvation can be a strong step on our path following Jesus. It's important to remember, however, that it only begins with us, and the kingdom does not end with us. What is the point of atonement? Reunion, completion, right? At one minute. And there is so, there is the forgiveness of sins, yes, but we shouldn't be so hung up on that, right? We have to move on past that. We have to accept that and do something with it. It's so easy for the church to stop there and be laser-focused on sin, but sin is dead. It's conquered. Be aware of your sins. Humble yourself. In fact, we must all humble ourselves. I have a bit of an ego. <laughs> humble us ourselves and seek forgiveness and move on. We cannot reach at one minute if we do not accept the forgiveness in the first place. The point. The point is healing. Not only yourselves, but the community as well. Be a light at work, on the street, and yes, even at your church. Treat people with respect and humility. And in this way, with the security that we have and the forgiveness of sins, we can move on from ourselves and introduce a broken world to the healing power of God's love and the fruit that it bears. If it's all right with you guys, I'd like to pray over you. Okay. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this congregation. 
Thank you so much for this beautiful day. And thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Lord, thank you so much for salvation, for his death, for his resurrection. Heavenly Father, if there's anyone in this room who does not know Jesus yet, I pray, Lord, that you will please work within them to find the strength to let go, to give everything to Jesus and to put it all on his shoulders because he can handle it. And may they find the right people to talk to if they need to. But Lord, we thank you for the call and we thank you for a true kingdom a kingdom that is about joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, respect. And we love you. Please be with these fine folks for the rest of this week. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, Lord. Amen.